where we talk all things Illini, along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on July the 17th with you until 11 o'clock today. We will have the phone lines open. We've got plenty of guests lined up, six guests, as a matter of fact, uh, scheduled for the program this morning. We will have time to take your calls as well. Mr. Tate, how are you getting along this morning? Well, we got a lot to talk about, Steve. We do. Busy day uh, yesterday, as it turned out, uh, regarding uh, University of Illinois Athletics. Baseball action last night, uh, late, in case you missed it, the Cubs beat Arizona 5-1. to The uh, Giants beat the Cardinals in St. Louis 7-2, to and Houston beat the White Sox 7-1. to The NBA Finals tied up now at 2-2, two and two, Milwaukee and Phoenix. They'll play Game 5 at 8 o'clock tonight. Those are some of the headlines yesterday. The much-anticipated news of Kofi Coburn returning to the University of Illinois was uh, one of the highlights of the day. As it turned out, it was kind of... Uh, um, subplanted as the lead midway through the afternoon with the passing of uh, Bobby Roundtree, the sad uh, story of the former Illinois football player who was injured uh, tragically a couple of years ago. He passed away at the much too young age of 23 yesterday afternoon. And then a couple of hours later, Kofi Coburn did make his announcement that he is returning uh, to the University of Illinois for another season of basketball. Brad Underwood is with us on the telephone uh, from uh, Jim somewhere in the south. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, guys. Good morning. Just wanted to kind of touch base with you on uh, a couple of things. Certainly, uh, um, as a member of the Fighting Illini family, everybody was saddened by the the news of the Bobby Roundtree situation, and we want to get your thoughts on that first, and then uh, talk a little bit about Kofi. Well, it's 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 obviously a, a, a life that ended way too early, and and uh, uh, Bobby impacted so many people at the university, and and. Uh, Really got to know Bobby a little bit after his uh, uh, after his accident. Uh, came to practices and and uh, and watched our guys. And uh, yeah, it was it was shocking news. And uh, our thoughts and prayers and and of all the Illini Nation, just not the the basketball program, but all the Illini Nation are with uh, Bobby's family and 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 uh, uh, the football staff and the players who had such great relationships with Bobby, a wonderful human being and. Uh, uh, devastating. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Mike Bellamy, former Illini assistant coach and former Illinois football player, will join us to talk more about uh, Bobby Roundtree. But Brad, the news on Kofi, uh, everybody was waiting uh, with anticipation on that. Uh, You obviously uh, knew it a few days ahead of time, but uh, let's get your thoughts on uh, the roller coaster ride that has been uh, the summer of uh, 2021. Well, it's been an interesting off season. Let's uh, that's to say the least. Uh, you know, one that uh, I always say someday when I write the book, uh, this will this will have a, probably more than one chapter. But uh, uh, yeah, obviously, it was it was outstanding, and, and uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, the education process these young guys go through today uh, is is not as simple as some people make it out to be. It gets to be very complex. Um, obviously, you've got a guy who was an All American. Uh, has aspirations at the next level, 
and uh, you've got to explore those things. And uh, uh, yet the one thing that was um, uh, that I'm so proud of is his legacy is, is, is so well intact at the University of Illinois. He's a tremendous, tremendous human being and, and, and obviously a great basketball player. I think he's uh, you know, going to be one of those guys that's got to be a, a lead candidate for National Player of the Year, not just Big Ten Player of the Year, but a guy that um, has continued to develop and grow and, and uh, just to uh, continue that process uh, at our university and, and in our program is something that uh, I'm excited about. Brad, this is Lauren. Uh, talk about some of the things that he needs to improve or that you think you can help him improve in order to – I know his goal is to be in the NBA, and I know you want him to be there. What's it going to take for him to make that next step? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. I think, one, you know, the the NBA is is um, a lot more open uh, in terms of uh, of the transition. You see teams shooting a ton of threes. Uh, they're still playing with size. I think that's a misnomer. Everybody thinks, well, there's not guys like Kofi in the league. That's not true. Um, <clears throat> I think that we've got to uh, we've got to do some things with him in terms of short rolls, uh, where his decision making process uh, can come into play. We're obviously not going to take the fact that he's a dynamic low post scorer away. Uh, I think putting him in dribble handoffs. I think those are all things that. Um, uh, you know, are, are the next progression for him offensively. Uh, you know, he's got the capability to shoot 15, 17 footers uh, at a very high clip. And, you know, something we practiced a lot, we worked on, and, and, and he got better at. And uh, But, uh, you know, we'll see an expanded role for him, there's no doubt. You brought in Omar Payne uh, from Florida, and I made the comment yesterday that maybe he could be a, a kind of a – player much like uh, Georgi Bishanathvili was this last in in that he could back up center and also can he can he also uh, contribute uh, as a four the way that uh, that Georgi did yeah Omar's been really impressive this summer and uh, you know I think that uh, uh, we're talking about an elite quick twitch athlete a guy that uh, you know has seven five wingspan a guy that defensively uh, is, is outstanding. Uh, what I've been really impressed with is his, his offensive game. It's much, much more than I thought. And uh, uh, he's got very good range. Uh, he's a guy that uh, uh, is, is very, very effective in, in terms of <clears throat> not just not just low post ups and rolls. Uh, and he's an elite, and he's an elite roller uh, in terms of catching lobs. But uh, you know he's got he's got extended range, and I think that that comparison is um, is one that uh, a lot of people will make with Georgie in terms of his skill set. Uh, I think he's a really good shooter, and uh, you know I can see us playing those two guys uh, a good amount together. Coach, I uh, I want to bring up Ant- uh, Orlando Antigua because I get the impression that he from the very beginning was uh, was supported the idea of. Uh, of Kofi returning to Illinois, even as he went to Kentucky, and Kentucky became a big name in this thing, and at least in, in uh, at least it was written that way and and spoken that way on the air. Talk about Antigua and his involvement in this. Well, I think that you know you got to be really careful, Lauren, when you start talking about guys who've left your program and, and go to other institutions, and oh, he's a great, great friend and. And obviously has a tremendous relationship with, uh, you know, with our players, with Kofi. 
Um, he was, you know, he was the lead recruiter on him, and and it was a, a, a tough situation. And O's a guy that uh, understands uh, Kofi's legacy, and and yet, uh, you know, we're in a world today where, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's kind of an open market, uh, you know, free agency, so to speak, and uh, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, uh, these things in the future, but uh, you know, O was. Uh, a big part of that and and i think helping understand his his legacy at illinois but uh you know all all in all they know he was an all-american he's a good player and and uh, you know they were they were obviously involved talking to brad underwood on illinois basketball everybody uh, well kofi will be coming soon and then uh, jacob grandison will be uh here at some point he's uh, participating uh, with the finland team in uh, japan Everybody else, I guess, has been around a while. Talk about uh, who has impressed you so far. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed. Uh, I think the one thing that uh, Jake will get back this weekend, he's had a great experience with the Finnish national team, played extremely well. Uh, you know, and I, I think I pay a lot more attention to the new guys early, just making sure that they're acclimated. Uh, Alfonso Plummer has been um, outstanding in terms of shooting the basketball. Uh, understanding the, the pace with which we play. And then I'm fired up about our freshmen. Um, you know, it's um, uh, it's never an easy adjustment the first summer. And getting acclimated to the weight room, and you start throwing new material at them. Uh, and these guys have been fabulous. And Luke Goody and and, uh, and RJ and, and, and Brandon have all, uh, had great, great moments in, in, in our workouts. So uh, I'm excited, and, you know, Omar's been sensational. And, you know, it's it's uh, sometimes we take for granted the old guys because they've been around. But, uh, you know, you, you throw in Austin Hutcherson, who's um, healthy uh, and has really, really been good. We're, we're playing him at multiple positions. Uh, so he's a guy that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with this summer. I don't know what the ideal rotation might be on any given season, but you've got a lot of guys there, a lot of guys that have played. You've got some the, the freshmen that you talked about, a couple of transferred newcomers. How tough is it going to be for these three freshmen, especially with this roster, the way it shapes out with uh, the two super seniors coming back? Is it going to be tough to find some minutes, eh? I have no clue. <laughs> you're asking stuff. You're asking stuff. It's six months, five months away. So I, you know, it, I always say this about playing time. It always works itself out. And I don't speculate. I haven't, you know, we haven't been on the floor coaching these guys, uh, you know, little 45, 50 minute segments. And, and in the rotation piece, you know, all we can do is put good players out there and, and uh, they've got to compete. And, um, you know, there's, uh, uh, it's a nice problem, I guess, to have when you've got guys that, uh, uh, that everybody wants to talk about and think, think should have playing time you told me uh, earlier this week and you mentioned uh, Georgie but you told me that uh, he's been pretty impressive in some of these workouts he's had with uh, NBA teams yeah we've been getting really positive rave re- and, and rave reviews and you know obviously we know his energy we know his uh, enthusiasm but uh, uh, you know I think he's he's shown some people that he can do some things he's obviously a very very skilled ball handler and, and passer uh, that's been on full display and uh, you know, I think he'll be a guy that uh, uh, you know we could see in the in the in the NBA summer league, and uh, you know he's had multiple workouts and uh, he's made the most of those. 
You know, I think and it, it, there was a day when basketball was like a five or six man team. You know, you have five guys and a substitute that came in. And, and, and as I look at what you're doing right now, you're, you're recruiting right now, which means you've got another two or three, four guys that you've got coming in. And you got a 13-man rotation. It looks to me like you're dealing with about 17 or 18 people right now that are either on the team. Of course, some of those guys will be leaving this year. But, man, that's a lot of players to, to deal with at one time, isn't it? Well, I, I think that we, that we all have to understand that, you know, with, uh, you know, with the portal the way it is, with, with, with young guys that uh, have the ability to transfer, I think we'd be foolish if we don't think that some – some of that will happen. Uh, I think we're also recruiting guys that are good enough that, uh, you know, they're going to explore their NBA options every year. And so, you know, in, in my opinion, you've got to recruit every position every year uh, and, and then make evaluations as you continue to move. It's not, uh, you know, it's not like it was 15 years ago where you signed two guys in the fall and you're done. You know, yep. guys are coming back and you're – and. Uh, uh, that's not going to be the case today. So uh, in today's basketball. So uh, we're going to keep recruiting. We've got a great staff. We've we've got a we've got a great start. Uh, we feel like to this next class, and we'll continue to to try to build on that. Coach, uh, comment on the NIL name, image, and likeness. Uh, it, you're going to have players that are going to be driving cars. You're going to have players that are going to be getting uh, more income than others. Do you see this as any uh, kind of a problem in your locker room? <laughs> I don't know yet. I've never had to deal with it. Um, it's a hard question, Lauren, because I think that uh, uh, it's one of those things that, that, that obviously student-athletes are going to be able to, to be compensated for. I think there's so, uh, there's so little uh, understanding of it yet and exactly how it's going to work. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think obviously it's going to be, um, you know, more of a, a challenge to – uh, to, to, you know, some kids are, are going to, are going to get more than others and, and you're going to have to, to, um, address those issues. And, and yet I think it's, uh, you know, when you've got character, uh, and good character kids, I think it, it's still, you know, we're playing for the university of Illinois. We're playing for our basketball program. We're playing for each other. And, and that's gotta be first and foremost. And that's what we talk about every day in our program. And, and we'll continue to do that. Hey, Brad, we appreciate your time. Know you're busy. Know you're on the road. But uh, thanks for uh, carving out a few minutes with us to talk about Kofi and other Illini basketball stuff. Thank you very much. You bet, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Coach. Brad Underwood with us down in, uh, I think he's in maybe Augusta or just uh, in, in South Carolina there uh, at the uh, Peach Jam. Okay. That used to be in Atlanta, and they've kind of moved it down state a little bit, but uh, or maybe even barely out of state. But uh, a lot of AAU basketball action going on. The coaches are out on the road again. The coaches recruit 365. He told me uh, Monday down at the Kendall Gill outing that uh, I said, how's your golf game? And I, <laughs> I knew what the answer was going to be. But, you know, he was getting into that golf pretty well during the pandemic when there wasn't much else to do. He said he has not touched a club in a month, mm-hmm. maybe longer. <laughs> So it's just not time. There's no off season anymore. You no. talked about basketball was once a a game of a, you know five guys in the sub and for four or five months a year. Now it's year round. Guys are getting after it. If you have some comments on uh, the Kofi Coburn situation, we've got an open line coming up after the uh, break. Kofi is indeed staying at uh, the U of I and will be here sometime soon, I would guess. 
The phone number is 217-356-9397. We'll take our first time out on Lion Life Fellow Saturday Sports Talk and be back with more after this. It is 18 minutes after 9 o'clock, and this is Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Here's truly Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate, and we're along until 11 o'clock this morning, 217-356-9397 is the number, an open line. Coming up at 9.30, we've got the Jeremy Warner scheduled from 24-7 Sports, the Illini Inquirer. We'll talk things over with him, but right now an open line, and we've got some folks on the line. Let's start with John and Champagne. Hey, John, what's going on? Hey, um, hi guys. Uh, big uh, Lion-Eye fan. Um, really excited about Kofi returning. Um, just wanted to uh, ask the question uh, and didn't want to start any hassles, but uh, curious with Kofi selling all of his uh, his gear uh, while he was uh, exploring the NBA, um, how does that affect him when he comes back? Uh, is he responsible for the cost of that gear uh, since he never really left? Or uh, does the university just kind of eat that? Uh, I'll hang up and listen to your response. Thanks. Good question, John. It is a good question. I certainly I don't know the answer. Uh, and it could be um, that whatever the number is, it would need to be repaid. Um, and there may be, a, I don't know this, it could be a one-game suspension or a some kind of suspension on that, but uh, I think it would be pretty easily handled administratively. But I think something has to to be done to show that it was rectified. Hmm. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That's just my guess. Well, I'm I'm afraid to say anything. I thought I'd I, guess before you did. Well, <laughs> I'm going along with what you're saying because I I just don't know. Right. Let's go to Mike in Champagne. Good morning, Mike. What, what do you say? Uh, yeah, I got a, a couple observations. One, just on the last comment, Kofi sold T-shirts, and he didn't sell game-worn gear. He was selling just, you know, jackets and things like that that we all have. That was my understanding. But anyway, what I was really calling about, um, I happened to see the Kentucky message board where they indicated that Kofi was going back to Illinois. A couple interesting observations on the comments from fans uh, below the article, the two things that were repeated frequently were, was this is okay because uh, Cal wasn't really interested in Kofi anyway, and they've got better centers on their team right now than Kofi. And then a second frequently repeated observation was that's okay because we're going to steal Corbello next year anyway. I just thought you guys might be interested in what how Kentucky's viewing it anyway. Well, it doesn't surprise me a bit. I spent uh, four years at the University of Kentucky back in different times, certainly, but uh, they think they can uh, do whatever they want down there, and many times they do. But uh, that I kind of expected that kind of reaction from them. Well, I'm going to react pretty strongly to anything they put on the message boards, <laughs> right? I mean, anybody can say anything they want. So, you know, what's the point of worrying about what they say? I mean, yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, players are going to be moving all over the country. We've already seen it this year. We've, we're seeing some of the best players here. We just look up and where Carr was a star for Minnesota. Now he's going to play for Texas. I mean, that's just one of a hundred examples like that, that they're going to change the looks. And, and who knows if Corbello's happy here and he's well taken care of here and, 
And, you know, I, he might come back, and, but if he can get in the NBA, every player who can get in the NBA is going to leave. 100%. There isn't a single player in the nation that won't go to the NBA if they can make it to the NBA. But, um, I, you know, as far as what, he, what Corbello might do, I, I think he's happy here. And I, I you know, well, he's. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, he's going to be really well taken care of. I can just tell you that. I, I'm, I even heard some things today that things that are being done in his behalf, and they just got to clear things through the university. And they're, you know, I don't, I don't know what, how the university is going to rule or attempt to rule on things that I would consider excessive. There's going to be a lot of excessive things, and I don't know how if they go through. I assume they will. I don't think the NCA has any power, and I don't think Illinois has any power in the long run, as far as the students are, uh, in terms of what students can earn. I just thought it was humorous that, as you alluded to, Lauren, the accuracy of message boards. That you know, if he would have gone to Kentucky, they would have been touting him as Player of the Year, All American, et cetera. Sure. And since he didn't, he's just another center now. You know, it's, it's funny. Hey, Mike, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Let's go to uh, Jeff in New York, New York. Hello, Jeff. Hi. Good morning, guys. Um, I just wanted to, first of all, say that uh, I couldn't agree more with uh, extending with what uh, Coach Underwood said about extending thoughts and prayers to all the university community for Bobby Roundtree. I know he was an uh, excellent player and a, and a really nice young man, and uh, what a huge loss. Um, I saw a comment in the News Gazette that said he's in a better place. I'm sure that's true. We hope so. Uh, my wife and my thoughts are, are and prayers are with everybody about that. Um, as far as Kofi goes, I have to say I'm thrilled to hear that. Um, I believe Lauren and I talked a couple of a uh, few weeks back about how we never seem to win a recruiting battle or anything against uh, Kentucky, and uh, maybe this was that was an omen because this seems like a first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, uh, it it would be a first, I think, if if everything was equal. But everything favored Illinois in this situation, including Oscar, who was the, the starting center for Kentucky this coming year, Oscar Tshiebe, and. Uh, you know, there, there there was no advantage for Kofi to go there and have to share time. I mean, there's just no way. And uh, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead, Lauren. I'm sorry. I didn't have any more to say. I, I I just think that all he look, he's located here. He he attends classes here. He, he's got his he's developed a a legendary uh, presence here. Um, Everything pointed I, as I analyzed it. I could sure there's bigger crowds at Kentucky. They have wonderful basketball. I'm not sure that their basketball team is going to be better than Illinois this year. I mean, that'd be I, interesting. Maybe it's a maybe it's an opportune moment for us to schedule them. <laughs> well, and, uh, the point is that he was ours to begin with. This was not a fair recruiting situation for Kentucky. If you you put Kentucky and Illinois in a in a competitive situation with everything equal, that's a different story. This was not equal. Okay. Well, I'm delighted to hear it, and I'm I'm have to say that if it's accurate uh, that uh, Antigua encouraged him to stay here, then I think that that's. Uh, uh, I, I think I'm Antigua felt it was in his best interest. Now, I would tell you that Underwood did not 
I gave him an opportunity to say that, and he didn't say it. So I, I mean, he probably felt some, you know, some strong resistance on the side of Kentucky. I mean, he, they, I'm sure that there was an effort on their behalf. And, of course, uh, Gonzaga was the first one to contact, contact him. And, I mean, he was contacted by Duke. He was contacted by schools all over the country. And uh, he, he actually, he decided within days to come back to Illinois. It, he didn't decide Friday. He had decided about a week earlier. And they, I don't know why the coach, uh, players do this and they're advised to do this, to go ahead and, and uh, make it a week later. And maybe during that time there will be more efforts on his behalf uh, through NIL. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody else was really under any serious consideration. Well, I just uh, I just hope that uh, it works out well for him. I'm the NBA baffles me in many ways because when they say that they don't have a place for somebody like him, and that they can take somebody who has played abroad for many years but seems to be the same same size but doesn't have the experience against the opposition that he does. And well, they, those guys you know, coming overseas can shoot. They're, they're, really? That's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, they, those seven-footers that come in, you, you, if you've got a seven-footer that can shoot, that's different because he can't shoot from outside, hasn't been mm. able to. Okay. Well, I hope it works out for him. I think it probably will. I'm the eternal optimist in these things sometimes. Well, Jeff, we appreciate the call. Thanks for listening. No problem. Have a good day, guys. You too. Yeah, he's got to he's got to develop a fifteen foot shot, Steve, and he's got to uh, he's got to start making free throws. I mean, you, it, even last year there were times when you wondered could Illinois have him in the game at the end of a close game right. if they're going to foul him intentionally and put put him on the free throw line. I mean, those are those are negatives, and and his ability to guard the pick and roll, the, the ability to guard out on the court. If you go to the NBA and you're and you've got a defensive assignment, the first thing that they're going to do is take him away from the basket. In fact, that's what Ohio State did. That's what other schools did as as they played Illinois. They they made him guard outside, and that's not his strength. He's got some great strengths, but he also has some weaknesses, and that's why he wasn't. Uh, that's why he wasn't going to be drafted this year. Let's take another call from Chicago, Dirk. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Great to have Kofi back. I'm excited for the chance for Brad and his team to show they can develop an NBA player and get more uh, of his big guys to show up to Illinois. Hey, I've got so many questions about this NIL, and I don't know if anybody has answers, but a couple of questions are, is there any limit on how much money somebody can get? And number two, is there a limit on the number of guys? Because uh, I saw Kentucky was saying, well, you know, we don't have enough open scholarships for Kofi. But if, you know, 20 guys can each get $200,000, what's the, you know, what's the limit? Because they just pay their way. They don't need a tuition scholarship. I don't think there's a judge in the country that would say that there's a limit. I think there are universities that will say there's a limit. And uh, what is reasonable uh, is no longer reasonable because I don't think there can be a limit. I don't see how you can do it. I mean, we we, we see so many that we've seen one player at, at Tennessee State get two million dollars. We've seen ninety football players at Miami get five hundred dollars a piece. That's the five hundred and forty thousand dollars that's being paid to the Miami football team by one company. Uh, so, what's the limit? I don't see there can be a limit. 
do these deals have to be made public? Yeah, they're all going to be public. Yes, they're going to be public. We'll find out how much. Because, um, you know, I think U of I has the 15th largest alumni base in the country. That's a lot of eyeballs, consumer eyeballs. And if an Instagram model can get a million uh, dollars a minute or something like that, um, I, I don't know. I can't imagine how much, you know, we, we could have 20, 30 players, I, I feel, on our team. That's, well, that's my well, of course, the limit's going to be 13. Or you're, Well, that's you're, in one sport. You're, you're talking other sports, too. Well, uh, no, forget about scholarships. There's 500 players, yeah, right, yeah. 500 athletes yeah. on the University of Illinois campus, men and women. But there are only 110 yeah. women on scholarship. Right. But there are more women yeah, than I'm that. The, yeah, I'm just thinking the, the NCAA limit is 13 on number of scholarships. Right. But you can have unlimited walk-ons, can't you? Yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah. Okay, well, the, the, so Kofi walks on, he gets $2 million, he gives, you know, 40000 of it to U of I. I don't know. I don't know what's going to limit not just other schools, but Illinois from having a lot of good players. There's a lot of uh, questions that you can answer with, I don't know, right now. This is so new, and Brad Underwood indicated that, obviously. We're only 17 days into into well, this process, these, a lot of these things are going to be tested, Steve. Right. They're going to be you're going to they're going to uh, give so and so a car. Uh, are they going to lease the car? Are they going to give him the car? Is he going to own the car? Does he have to pay taxes on it? Uh, there's all these questions that have to be answered, and you can give fifteen thousand dollars to a person and not have to pay and with no tax required, and that can be done. Although you've got to, I mean, I don't know if, can a person just walk up and give somebody $15,000? Give him $15,000 in December, give him another $15,000 in January. We could test it if somebody wanted to try it out on us. <laughs> That's right. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'll take my chances, <laughs> even if I had to pay taxes on it. Hey, Dirk, thanks yeah. for the call. Well, we it, appreciate it. it. it we're going to compete. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. It is 932 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a time out. Jeremy Warner will join us when we come back. We'll keep the phone lines open during the time that uh, Jeremy's here, too, as well. If you'd like to join us, we'll uh, talk to you then. 217-356-9397 is the number. We're back after this. Moving up on 935, this is I Saturday Sports Talk with Warren Tate. Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open. We've got plenty to talk about today with the uh, Kofi Coburn uh, announcement. A lot of folks think, uh, you know, if he knew all along that he was going to come back, why string it out? But uh, well, he didn't really string it out that much. He, I mean, he had to test the NBA, uh, NBA as far as he could. Right. And he had to consider the G League because that's where he worked out. That's where he attended the G League Combine. I mean, I, and I think that it took a while for it to settle in and, and him to come to the realization that he wasn't in demand by them at this time. Yep. Let's bring Jeremy Werner from uh, 24-7 Sports, Illini Inquirer, into the uh, conversation. Jeremy, uh, yesterday, uh, as far as a, a journalism day, a news-covering day, was was a weird day all the way around. There was so much anticipation on what Kofi was going to say. I think we, we all figured what it might be, and then the, the Bobby Roundtree news broke uh, mid-afternoon. It was just a I went home last night and just kind of sat there for a while, and it was just a strange day, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's one I'll remember forever. Um, 
uh, obviously Bobby meant a lot to this program and I got to cover him as a recruit and didn't know him that much personally um, outside of just the professional relationship we had. And, uh, but I can tell you, uh, knowing the coaches, knowing the players, you know, I know he meant the world to Lovey Smith. I know Andrew Hayes Stoker, who recruited him, uh, Austin Clark, who coached him for a while, um, just raved about Bobby Roundtree. And Bob and, and Lovey always talked about him like that's exactly what we want in our program because not only is he a great player, but he, he's a great person, he's a great leader, um, and he had such a bright future b- before the accident. And that was one of the toughest days. Uh, I've had as a reporter, um, you know, just getting that news and then having to report on it uh, while also dealing with the emotions of it. But uh, it, it really struck us yesterday, guys. Um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Joey Wagner was in contact with Bobby over the last couple of weeks, and he had actually flown to Florida on Friday uh, to meet with Bobby yesterday. Um, oh, really? So he was supposed to spend the day with Bobby yesterday. He flew to Florida on Thursday, excuse me, but – uh, he showed up to the rehab facility, and, and he had heard that Bobby wasn't going to make it in. And uh, then, obviously, we, we found out why, and it, it was just tragic. But um, so it, it's been emotional for Joey, I know, and, and he's done a heck of a job. Uh, he met with all the people at the rehab facility, so I encourage people to, to read what they said because they just raved about Bobby and his attitude and, and everything he'd been through over the last couple of years. And he just – he obviously had, probably had dark days, and he's talked about that, but – um, he wanted to share his story. He wanted to be an inspiration. He wanted to be um, an inspirational speaker. Um, and I think he got, um, you know, he's just everywhere you go, you hear about how uh, his smile and just you could hear him. You could see him. He was a, he's a big dancer. Um, and, and he continued to be that even after his paralysis. But he just was an energy. You knew when he was in the room and, and the way people talk about him. It's just, it's tragic. Um, I think we all know life isn't fair, but it, it certainly seems uh, that's the case here because uh, Bobby Roundtree lit up the world. Jeremy, how far had he come in his rehabilitation in terms of his ability to, I, I remember in the beginning he could barely just only move his hands and then he could move his arms. And I mean, how, how far had he come? Well, that's what Joey was hoping to report on, Lauren, and, and I, I don't know all those things. Um, I, I do know he had come a long way. Um, I mean, the doctors at the time of the accident said it was a miracle, one, he lived, but two, that, you know, he'd made as much progress as he did. Progress was very slow early, uh, and I know Bobby, right before he visited campus uh, in November 2019, um, there was a big breakthrough about um, about a, a month prior that, that he started getting a tingling back in his leg. So he started to feel like he could walk again. And, and that was his goal. His goal was to walk again. I know he shared his videos and you can kind of look at the videos he shared on social media. And obviously it was a long way to get there, but uh, he was making progress. You could see his strength coming back. And he joked about how he actually had to lose weight now uh, after losing all the original weight after the accident. And uh, um, I don't know exactly how far he'd come, but he'd come a, a long way. And, uh, he was committed, Lauren, to to walking again at some point. Well, we had uh, we got Kofi back. Uh, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? You and I had an interesting discussion yesterday. I thought about uh, yeah. just who is he the greatest center in, in Illinois history? By the way, is Iowa the greatest player in Illinois history? At one point, we were talking in those terms too. What do you think about those two questions? Well, I think just like Iowa, I'd written a column when he came back, somewhat surprisingly, last year that. 
um, he notched his spot in the Illini pantheon by coming back for a third year because you come back for a third year. We knew Illinois was going to be great, and they were, despite the rough ending. That was one of the best Illinois seasons we've seen of all time because I still put a lot of stock into how good you were in the Big Ten, how good uh, – you were in the Big Ten Championship. Like Those things matter. Of course, the NCAA tournament is what people uh, care about the most, and we know it can be great, and we know it can be harsh. Uh, and last year ended up being harsh. But Iowa had one of the best seasons we've ever seen, and obviously he's led Illinois to, to great heights. And to get him for two years felt like a bonus, but three years was a huge bonus. And I feel the same way about Kofi Coburn. Uh, coming back for a third season, I, I never thought that would really happen. Um, maybe sometimes I felt like, yeah, he could – uh, but I just thought he would go pro, go make money, and now he can do that in college. I think he's gonna he's gonna profit a lot by coming back for college, probably more so than he would uh, in in the uh, professional, wherever he would be, G League or overseas. So uh, I just think he's gonna be one of the all time greats now. I, I think he already was one of the in the discussion for best big man ever. I think him coming back a, a third season and Lauren, you and I had a conversation uh, off the air yesterday. I, I called you up to ask where would he rank uh is it crazy for me to say he is going to solidify himself as the best big man ever and while there are different players different eras johnny red Kerr, deon thomas you can go down the list ken norman's a post player um brian cook's a post player that that can stretch it out obviously uh i we haven't seen anybody like kofi coburn in a third year gives him even more stats makes his imprint even bigger on the program where they're going to be great yet again. They're going to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten. They're going to be one of the top teams uh, in the country. And, and I just think it, it's his impact on the program now is that he's going to prolong their greatness here. This is going to be one of the best runs uh, three, four, five years I think Illinois has had since the early 2000s. So uh, I think that's going to solidify Kofi, Kofi among whatever you want to say, top ten players of all time but for me it's it's certainly uh, i think he's going to be the best big man uh and, and most imposing big man of course uh in a lot of history but for brad underwood i mean it just means you're not rebuilding again you're just retooling and you're you're again kind of having this short run here but you're probably gonna have three years in a row where you're a top four top five team in the big 10 and and maybe top two for the second straight year that's putting you back into the the Big Ten elite, right? That, that's putting you in where Michigan State, you know, has been uh, all these years. Ohio State had those runs. Illinois is one of the best teams in the country, and it's amazing what Brad Underwood has been able to do. And and maybe they get a little fortunate here with the NIL. Maybe they got fortunate last year with Iowa coming back because he couldn't work out uh, during the pandemic. But uh, it certainly has, has left an indelible mark on the program. Would Kofi have returned if the, if the NIL hadn't uh, come about? I, I can't envision that, Lauren. I can't uh, either. 20, I don't think he would have. He's going to be 22 years old. You know, he has so many years to make money playing basketball, right? And uh, I think for him, for his family, for the people around him, it's time to go make money. And if he were a draft pick, uh, if you were told after the, that G League camp, hey, you're going to be a second rounder, I think Kofi would have gone because I think he would have been a, a two-way kind of player where you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, and just focus on basketball and not go to school, right? But uh, now with NIL, if he's going to be a G League player, uh, he's going to make more money in college basketball. So for me, I sit there and go, why wouldn't he just stay three years? Because I don't know if he's a fit for the NBA. Why, why not just say he's got three years of eligibility left? And can you imagine that? That's right. Can you, make, can you make millions of dollars doing that? If you're a Kofi Coburn, yeah. If you're somebody else – 
if you're Iowa, assume no, go go play in the NBA, go make your millions of dollars, which he's going to get um, as a top forty or whatever pick he's going to be. Um, but for Kofi Coburn, the rare guy who's a great college basketball player and is an All American, but isn't quite the fit for the NBA, it could make sense to stay. Um, we'll see what those numbers are, but. I think there are very few players in college basketball who are set up to make as much money uh, as Kofi Coburn next season. A couple of more minutes with Jeremy Werner from 24-7 Sports, Illini Inquirer. Uh, Brad didn't want to talk about, Brad Underwood didn't want to talk about rotations uh, six months away from the season, but that's kind of what we do, kind of what fans do. It's pretty intriguing when you think about uh, a 13- or 14-man roster and some of the guys they've got on there. Yeah, it's good problems to have. Um, I guess the one thing you could say is who's who's the four. Uh, but uh, I mean, now you got Kofi Coburn there, and uh, I don't think it's you know Coleman Hawkins. You're not counting on for a huge leap. Omar Payne and Kofi can they play together? I have my doubts about that. But now you have one of the best five rotations in all of college basketball, and you have the shooters now uh, on paper. The shooters you have around Kofi Coburn uh, could give a lot of teams a lot of pro- problems. I think. Even though they're going to play through Kofi again, uh, I think this team's going to get up and down the court and, and fire away from three. If, if you ask me for the starting lineup today, I think it's clear Andre Corbello, Trent Frazier, Kofi Coburn are in that group. You know, Austin Hutcherson looks great uh, on paper and in the videos we see, and, and I'd love a 6-7 you know, wing out there that can athletically do what he does. And We've heard great practice reports, but I just got to see him healthy and I got to see him on the court against some competition. Uh, but, you know, DeMonte Williams could, could certainly start. Jacob Grandison could certainly start. Coleman Hawkins would be ideal. Uh, but if he's not ready, you got Grandison. Uh, if, if Hutcherson's not ready, right, you got DeMonte Williams. Um, and then I think, I think Alfonso Plummer's the guy off the bench. I think he's your microwave scorer that, that can do all of that. And uh, it's, it's a deep roster, guys. Um, it's weird to say, but can this roster be more versatile, flexible than it was last year? That's possible. And I'm not even mentioning freshmen, right? Right. I think that's, that's the great sign is um, you don't have to count on freshmen. Of course, the flip side of that is are, are the freshmen going to be happy in a year? But I guess you worry about that after another great season. But those guys, you know, Melendez, we've heard good things about what he's been able to do. Luke Goody, I think, has the highest floor of these guys. And I think long-term Brandon Podzimski can, or Podzimski can be um, one of the better scorers on the team. He's just got a lot of guards in front of him. That's Jeremy Warner. Tell the folks how to find you and follow what you guys are doing. Sure. IlliniInquire.com. You can just type that in. Uh, follow on Twitter as well, at jwarner247. And I, I do encourage everybody to read uh, Joey Wagner's story about uh, Bobby Roundtree today. It uh, had me tearing up a little bit, but also remembering him fondly. Good stuff, Jeremy. Appreciate your time, as always. Anytime, guys. Thanks. You bet. Jeremy Werner from the Illini Inquirer, 24-7 Sports. It's 946. We'll take a break and continue on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. It's 949, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. Steve Kelly with you. Thanks to Brad Underwood for joining us off the top. We just uh, spent some time with Jeremy Werner from Illini Inquirer. Happy to welcome to the program uh, an old friend, a former Illinois football player and Illini assistant coach, Mike Bellamy. Uh, we're happy to have you. We're not uh, all that happy about uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, Mike, but good morning to you. How you doing? Good morning to you guys. I'm, I'm doing great. You know, I mean, as good as you can be at times like this, but um, 
you know, I'm pleased to be able to have a conversation with you guys this morning. Yeah, we want to talk about Bobby Roundtree and the uh, the sudden news yesterday of his passing at the age of 23 down in uh, Tampa, Florida. And uh, you obviously got to know him pretty well as a member of the coaching staff. Uh, just tell us more about Bobby as a as a young man and, and what he had fought through and, and such. Well, he was one of those guys, you know, when I first came back, he was one of those guys that immediately lit up the room. Um, when you walked into the facility, um, you knew exactly where he was at. Um, you knew where he was sitting because there was a crowd around him. Um, there was um, laughter around him. There was joy around him. So he was one of those guys that um, as soon as he walked in the room, his presence was understood um, and it preceded him because of all the people he touched, um, he was a pleasant and a joy at, at all times. And it was really a, a shock to everybody because uh, even though it was a long battle for him to uh, to try to get back to whatever the, the new normal was going to be for him, but he was making progress. There, We had seen an occasional video from him, you know, with assistance up and walking a little bit and moving his arms, and, and it seemed like he was making really good progress. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about two years ago when we first got the news of the accident. Yeah. And um, I remember um, I had went to Chicago and I went to the hospital to go visit him, you know, and he, he was, you know, I was more in pain than I felt he was. And he was talking about what kind of Air Jordans he was going to be wearing the next week. Um, and that was who Bobby was. You know, it, it was one of those things that you knew how he prepared for the Iowa game is the same way he was going to prepare for um, the battle that he had ahead of him. And so as we all watched the videos and we watched um, him as an individual grow um, through this situation, you felt nothing but um, waiting for an opportunity to see him walk down the 50-yard line in celebration of his achievements um, in the upcoming months, not if not years, um, that he was going to be able to um, fight through this battle um, and at one point walk again. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that had anything to do with him, I would feel. Mike, uh, Bob Osmussen came up with an interesting thought, uh, I thought yesterday, a really good thought about what to do with the number 97. And, and, and his idea was to have, rather than, than putting laying it back with, uh, and not letting anybody wear it, but to let a different player wear it every year uh, with his name on with Roundtree's name on What What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about it is that you celebrate the the energy and the power because Bobby had been like that from the day he walked on campus from what I was told and when I first met him um you felt that on the field you know and I think um within the athletic department and with the coaching staff now I said that's something that you know you figure a way how to celebrate that you know celebrate that energy um as we have done in the past with other awards that have been given to former players and in the athletic department um you know Bobby gave energy um you know not only to the athletic department, but, you know, individuals throughout Champaign-Urbana, um, throughout the state of Illinois, and throughout the country have been inspired by his story. So um, I'm pretty sure they have an idea of what they would like to do, um, you know, but by being so fresh, you know, I think right now, you know, we need to celebrate his legacy um, as short as it's been. I think we need to make sure that we are not selfish in a way that we mourn um, our pain um, and we more celebrate um, his story and, um, you know, keep his family in, a, in our prayers. As far as a player is concerned, uh, he was defensive MVP as a defensive end as a sophomore. So he was, um, and you know, and the thing that I note is that 
all these players who are returning this year, and I say all, most of these players who are returning this year for a fifth season came in with him. They were teammates of him as freshmen. They, 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 there's a whole lot of players that are carrying his legacy with them. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of pain right now. And, you know, so um, the Illini Nation will wrap their arms around each other um, and go through this, and, you know, and, and, you know, we're still in shock, you know, and, and still in pain because you have a kid that was probably six months, you know, when his accident happened, probably six months to 12 months away from changing the life and the legacy of his whole family. And this accident, um, you know, put him back at that time. So, you know, that was a shock. It became reality. You know, so a lot of these kids who are going through the pain right now of um, knowing Bobby for who he was with his smile, his laughter, um, and his um, support for them as individuals, you know, will struggle, you know. And, and some of them will pull motivation um, from it, you know. And some of them will say, you know, 97 strong. Some of them will say, let's do it for Big Bob. You know, there'll be, you know, something that will go on daily in some of their lives. You know, some somebody's probably, you know, went to um, – the equipment people that asked if they could wear 97 this year. Right. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, these guys are, you know, figuring ways out to celebrate. I'm pretty sure there'll be a sticker on the back of the helmet. You know, it, there'll be something, you know, but I think um, when it's all said and done, you know, we, we need to remember that he was um, a great young man. Um, his family was um, very supportive of Illini Nation. You know, so, you know, with this time right now, you know, it's not just the morn, but we, we celebrate because we've been through, and this country has been through so much in the past few years that, you know, sometimes, you know, we hate for this bad news, but we need to celebrate the good things that are going on right now. And Bobby was a, um, one of those things that kept us smiling. A couple of more minutes with Mike Bellamy. Uh, give us an update on your career, Mike. What's, uh, what's going on with you right at the moment? Well, you know, um, I'm, I'm in a situation where just um, sitting back enjoying the the time off that I have with my kids and family, being able to um, be a, a dance dad and being able to see my son um, graduate high school and, um, you know, at the same time um, put some um, effort and focus into some of the things that I feel I might be lacking in my coaching um, resume, you know. But um, by all means, I, I feel, um, you know, watching this next football season with the fans is going to be a great thing for me and a learning experience, um, you know, because there are times we don't get this time off. You know, and, and right now it's probably been the best situation ever for me just to be able to celebrate my, my kids. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be itching to be back on the field um, more sooner than later. What's your take on the NIL situation, name, image, likeness that uh, took effect uh, July 1st? You're kind of in a situation where you can sit back and look at that, too, maybe in, uh, uh, from a different viewpoint than you would be if you were uh, on the coaching field. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, the NCAA and college sports is, is ever-changing. You know, it, it went to a point where a few years back, um, recruiting had to do with everything about um, making sure that um, the cost of attendance um, at each school was um, known, and that was part of recruiting. The NIL will be part of recruiting. Um, I mean, NLI will be t- part of recruiting now. Um, you know, this is going to be something that is going to take it to the next level. You feel there's a lot of kids that, you know, deserve this opportunity, you know, but, you know, it's going to, it's new, you know, and so it's new and fresh. So, you know, I've been looking at it, you know, as many of my friends and peers have looked at it and seeing how we can benefit and how the student athlete can benefit from it, you know, but I, I would guarantee that in 12 months we'll be talking about it in a different aspect of um, how it affected this past college football season because no matter what, you still got to show and prove 
um, what you're capable of. Mike, appreciate your time. I think I, I know I can speak for Lauren. You're one of our favorite guys from dating all the way back to your playing days back we in the 80s. Back. But uh, we, uh, we appreciate always talking to you, and thanks for taking time this morning. I appreciate that. And, and Lauren, I look forward to seeing you out on that golf course. <laughs> um, you know, you know we'll, we'll see what's going to happen next time. <laughs> I'm trying to stay out of the rough. Sound like a challenge <laughs> to me. <laughs> hey, thanks, Mike. You know, it doesn't sound the definite one. So okay. I appreciate you guys. You bet. Thank you. Mike Bellamy with us as we approach 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. The first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books. Hour number two is coming up. Stay with us back after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We'll be here another hour. That first hour was uh, busy with uh, Brad Underwood talking uh, with us for about 15 minutes or so. We also had uh, Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer and uh, just wrapped up a conversation with Mike Bellamy, former Illinois wide receiver and assistant football coach. Kicking off an hour number two now with Will Leach, national columnist, talking to us, I guess, from uh, somewhere in Georgia, or unless he's on the road. How you doing, Will? Very well. I, I am in Georgia, I can tell, because it is 145 degrees <laughs> in the air conditioning. So, uh, yeah, so, so that's definitely where I am. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Brad Underwood's down that way watching uh, some – AAU basketball. We we have several topics as always when we have Will on about uh, once a month, and we'll start it with what we ended the first hour with uh, talking with Mike Bellamy about uh, the sudden passing yesterday of of Bobby Roundtree. Uh, you tweeted about that, and uh, it certainly it certainly hit uh, everybody in the college football uh, uh, realm, uh, certainly in the Illini Nation. Yeah, it's it's just it's just awful in in every possible way. And you know, when you think of kind of what he was able to overcome and become so central, uh, even after his uh, after his injury, to what Illinois football was doing. You know, to me, the big memory of that Wisconsin win, as great as that was, was when they all called Bobby on uh, Facetime afterwards, and they had that video in the locker room. It was very moving, and so it's it's it really is just a just a, a terrible, a, a terrible thing. And I think it's really hard for even someone. I, I did not have the good fortune to, me, to meet him, but I feel, I feel like it would, it's almost untoward for me to even, even uh, uh, try to talk about the effect he had on me, considering how much effect he had on so many other people. So it's obviously a sad thing. And I think it's, I think it's pretty clear that uh, uh, Bobby Roundtree is going to be a pretty uh, big part of Illinois uh, uh, football and Illinois sports. For a long time moving forward. Yeah, they'll get uh, they'll have a little time to figure out how they might uh, might want to do that as far as honoring him. Uh, do they retire his jersey? Do they keep his jersey ongoing? Do they put a sticker on the helmet? There'll be all kinds of things that uh, they'll consider for sure. The other news uh, yesterday uh, was the Kofi Coburn news that uh, he officially made the announcement that at about 10 minutes after 5 central time uh, yesterday afternoon that uh, he indeed is staying at the University of Illinois. Brad Underwood obviously happy happy about that, as were Illini fans everywhere, including in Athens, Georgia, I'm guessing. Uh, certainly it was pleasing. I will confess 
that following this kind of up and down roller coaster for the last week was a pretty good argument against social media. Yeah. Just as a general rule, the idea of uh, the, the, every time I would see like, oh, he has he announced yet? I would just see Illinois, Kentucky, and Florida State fans all yelling at each other <laughs> and then tagging Kofi. I'm like, leave Kofi out of this. I let him make his decision. You know, I think that it's obviously exciting for the team. And I think one of the things that's great about it, too, is, you know, we all have our arguments about name, image, and likeness and, you know, whether it's good and whether we're kind of in a Wild West period now. But I think there's no question that Kobe Coburn is not coming back to play college basketball this year without NIL legislation. And I think that, you know, this to me has always been an argument in favor of this. That, like, whatever your thoughts, we can talk about amateurism and the traditions and so on. But the idea that, like, this is a player, like, taking advantage of the power that he has to give himself, put himself in a better situation than he would be otherwise. And I think, and this is a circumstance where Illinois benefits too. To say the very least, Illinois benefits. It's very exciting. I don't want to get too much into, into, the, uh, into the official policy of this stuff because I'm just really excited, obviously, as an Illinois fan. It will be curious to see, and I'm, I'm sure that this is something that when they were talking to Kofi, uh, what, re- how much they want to try to switch his game to make him more palatable to the pros and so on. Because, I mean, as much as great as he was last year, that's just not really the way the NBA game is played. It's hard to imagine a situation where, like, okay, we need to start setting some pick and pops for Kofi on the perimeter. <laughs> but that's kind of what the NBA is going to want to see, right? So it will be curious to see how that works out. But Brett Underwood's a pretty smart guy. The, the, the staff's pretty smart. There, there's just really no way to go wrong. It's, it's a pretty exciting thing. It was exciting for me to see how quickly – yeah, you know, I actually did not think if Kobe would have not come back, I still feel like this was probably a top 25 team next year and a, a middle of Big Ten team. To see what happens now, it's, it, it's a pretty exciting thing to, to get to see and just secures his place. Uh, you know, I think his jersey is going to be up in the rafters someday. And now we don't have to feel weird about it. <laughs> because if he would have gone to Kentucky or Florida State, I, it may have still been up there, but it would have felt very strange. It's, it's a pretty exciting thing across the board. Uh, well, you know um... – I think that the NIL thing. I don't know that that he could have made any more money anywhere in the in the world yeah. playing basketball than than at Illinois this coming year, and I say that because Open Doors, which is the platform that the players are some of the players are using, uh, indicated or estimated that Io DeSumo would have made about four hundred thousand dollars last season if this had been in in. If if he if he had been able to maximize his uh, you know his status uh, a year ago, so if if he could make a hundred four hundred thousand, how much could I, uh, could Kofi make? Yeah, I can. I mean, again, I, I I can't speak to their estimates, but I would not be surprised if Kofi were to make more than what Io would have made last year. Kofi Io was obviously great, and he was a he was a star and this big charismatic fellow, but like. There is nobody in college basketball like Kofi Coburn. There's just, there's just nobody that really plays like him, nobody that can have that kind of power of the game. No one is that kind of larger than life. We have discovered in the last couple of years just how big of a personality he is and just how, like how, how joyous he can kind of be. I would argue that as great, obviously, as he was with Io, the combination of him and Corbello has to be one of the most exciting things about this, you know, the, uh, just by thinking of all the different ways that Curbelo is going to be able to get the ball to Kofi is exciting. And it's thrilling in in a way that Kofi as a personality, you know, listen, Kofi was obviously great, but Io was the heart of the team. He was the one everybody knew Uh, though. It's worth noting. And we, we all saw this for the team last year. 
I, they, I, it seemed clear they were able to survive a little better without Io than they would have been able to without Kofi. I'm not saying that, that Io is a, a worse player than Kofi, but Kofi just makes like a huge, huge difference. And he's something that no other team has and nothing else in college basketball has. So certainly it's exciting to think of opportunities that he will have uh, at, in Champaign uh, with NIL. But I don't know if that's going to be the limits of it, to be honest with you. I think that he is the kind of outsized personality and outsized figure that I think could uh, transcend just uh, just what's going on in uh, in Champaign. Not that he should not still do every ad in Champaign that he can. And I guarantee you, if he gets on Cameo, I will be. You might. It's my son's birthday present right now. I'm telling you, <laughs> will be <laughs> will be a birthday message from Kofi. Well, uh, how do you see uh, Payne fitting in? Uh, he, he played for Florida, basically a backup last year. I'm sure he started some games for them in the time he in the two years he was there. But how do you see Payne uh, working in with uh, Kofi now? Yeah, uh, I, I have to say that that on one hand, uh, that is uh, uh, an I think it's kind of an awkward situation to be honest. Uh, in that, I think clearly the understanding when he came is that he would be not only taking the place of Kofi, but would even have the opportunity to become the player that Kofi did, at least in a similar way. I mean, as Payne, I believe, had noted when he when he transferred to Illinois, he was actually above Kofi on a lot of the recruiting rankings when they came in, and then he kind of went backwards while Kofi went forwards. Now, once again, Kofi is uh, standing in front of him. I do think they're, I mean, they're not exactly the same type of players, but I will confess it does feel it does feel, and you know, Brandon Woods is a, a million times smarter than me on this, but it does feel like if you try to play the two of them together, you do wonder if you're going to run into a little bit of the problems you had when Georgie and Kofi played together. And there were times it would work out a little bit, but also, you know, I mean, it just, it, listen, Payne may have a, extend a little bit, but this is not, you know, if Dawson Garcia would have come. Like, he's still a center, and I think he was going to play the Kofi role. I think, he'll, I think that they'll be encouraged to play him more and maybe give Kofi more of a break. But Kobe's also going to want to put up his numbers, right? Kobe's not going to help his his pro scouting if he has lower numbers than he did last year. And like, well, Omar Payne was here, but the NBA scouts are going to care about that. So it's a difficult situation. I will confess it is a difficult situation. And I suspect Brad Underwood is rather gleeful to have to deal with. That is a, that is definitely, as they say, a, a rich people problem. Talking to Will Leach, let's uh, go to baseball. Did you cover the All-Star game for MLB.com? I wrote about. I did not go out there. I did not go out there. But uh, uh, I saw. I, I. It's funny. I. I totally thought I was going to be going to the All Star Game here in Georgia, <laughs> but that didn't turn out. So uh, it turned out that it was in Denver, and uh, I, it was very exciting. You know, I think that uh, uh, to to see. You know, I, I, MLB had many people there, and I you know work in baseball, so I had many friends there. The way that there was a a good vibe to the game that I think to the to the atmosphere that I hope people in baseball are paying close attention to because. You know, I keep thinking of all the good things that are happening in baseball this year. And I think sometimes we get lost. We get, I, I feel like baseball is a sport that people inherently kind of complain about because they love it. <laughs> like at a certain level, baseball – like baseball has like a story every couple of weeks that everyone's mad about, whether it's the whether it's uh, the the people putting up the glove, putting stuff on the gloves, or they were mad. Remember they were really furious at Tony Larusa for like a week and a half, <laughs> and that was the biggest story in baseball. All these negative stories kind of come out, but. You know, the vibe to the All-Star, I've, I've been to, I think, eight or nine All-Star games, and they all kind of have this general vibe of, oh, isn't baseball awesome? And I feel like this year had an extra bit of that. People were kind of, you know, whatever your thoughts about where stage we are in the pandemic, I think there's clearly a joy for people to have to gather and kind of all come out and enjoy the game in a way they weren't able to last year. The Otani idea, the idea that Francisco uh, 
that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who was set up to be the face of baseball, was a supporting act at the All-Star Game this year, is a good sign. And so I think there's a lot of positivity. And the only thing that makes you worry about it is we still have this labor issue waiting at the end of the year. I'm reminded so much. I remember 1994. I'm sure you all remember 1994. That was a great, great baseball season. That was a terrific baseball season. And and not, this season's not going to end the way that did. But there was a major, major labor issue that's coming up at the end of this year. And things are going so well, I think, with baseball. Ratings are up. A lot of people are going to games. Maybe not in St. Louis. But a lot of people are going to games. And, uh, and there's a lot of things to be positive about, which makes me that much more nervous about uh, the big labor Armageddon that's kind of setting up at the end of the year. Well, the second half of the season underway. Let's talk about uh, two of the three uh, favorites in our particular area. The White Sox are doing pretty well, so we can leave them out of this at this point. But uh, the uh, Cardinals and the Cubs. Cardinals lost last night to the Giants in St. Louis. Cubs won on the road in Arizona. Your thoughts on how they're going to play at, uh, as far as uh, – keeping their team together or not heading into this yeah, uh, it, second half. Yeah, it is kind of fascinating. It's amazing. You know, the Cubs, it's hard to think of, but the, the Cubs for, you know, having traded Jock Peterson and clearly signaling they're, they're willing to trade a lot of guys and, and a lot of, a lot of their big names. And I think the general frustration that Cubs fans have, not so much with the players, but with the way that, you know, they were promised a lot more than this. And this was supposed to be, I mean, 2016 was obviously amazing for them, but the idea that this would be dismantled so quickly, if I were a Cubs fan, I would be very angry about that. That said, they are ahead of the Cardinals right now. And the Cardinals are a team that is clearly has not, not only signaled that they're not going to be sellers, they are still leaving the door open for them potentially to be buyers. For me, that's a, that's a hard thing to wrap my mind around. I, it's, and I, I, I just don't see really kind of the wisdom in that, to be honest. I think that uh, this Cardinals team, when you, never mind the fact that they still they currently only have three starters, and one of them is Wade LeBlanc, who has suddenly become like this key part of the Cardinals' rotation. You know, the, the offense we've just seen consistently over and over and over for several years now. You know, they, there's a, the underperformance, and even they. I feel, I feel like actually last night's game against the Giants was a perfect example of kind of what goes on with the Cardinals. They'll have this game where they'll like get a lot of guys on base, but there's no pop, but there's nothing happening. Or there'll be a game where they'll have they'll have two solo homers. <laughs> and it just feels like the Cardinals' offense have been, has been out of sync, really for three years now. And so I don't think the Cardinals are going to be buyers. I, it's hard to imagine the Cardinals getting on any sort of run right now, even if the offense does get hot because they only have three starting pitchers. so But the Cardinals are still the ones kind of hanging around a little bit. I don't know if that's helping with the goodwill. It was remarkable to me to see the first game back, not only after the All-Star break, but for the first home game in Bush Stadium in about a week and a half. That place was half full at best last night. I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of malaise and frustration, I think, with both of, uh, both of those organizations. But people are still going out to Wrigley. If you look at Bush, there's a, there's a lot of... A lot of a lot of fans dressed as uh, empty seats out there. Well, the the All Star numbers were down also, uh, and I I don't know if if the Atlanta situation, uh, the political situation had something to do with that. I kind of doubt it, but I'm told that it, that it does. But it looks to me like baseball is at a kind of a turning point on how to proceed from here on, or how you know how to how to play the game. They got so many issues of how to go about it, and fans that seem to be confused about the whole thing. The, the fans are falling off. Uh, by the numbers, uh, I, you know, I, I think that I, I'm, I always kind of hesitate to use television ratings too much as a as a gauge on these things, just because television ratings are down for 
everything from two years ago. Not from last year. Television ratings are way. The NBA, it was weird to see the NBA be like, hey, our numbers are really up from last year when they were like at historic, horrible lows last year. And yeah. I thought there was no All-Star game last year. I think what you probably will see in baseball, I'm going to bet the World Series ratings are going to be up from 2020, but down from 2019, which will, and I think a lot of that's because Maybe that was a big story last year during the pandemic. Why are ratings not so high? Why are not more people watching baseball or watching sports in general? And I think there was just, frankly, I don't know if you remember, Lauren, there was a lot going on last year. <laughs> I feel like I feel like sports kind of got the brunt of that. I do think that baseball does have a lot of issues to to resolve. But I do think, I, I, and I, I, I honestly do believe that baseball is generally in better hands now than it's been. Now, I'm not necessarily in, in an executive suite sort of way. I thought it was very interesting that the best uh, press that Rob Manfred has gotten in about two years is when at the All-Star game, he said they were going to probably next year they'll get rid of the runner on second rule and get rid of the seven-inning doubleheaders. And they're like, oh, finally, he did something good, which is to say he got rid of something that he personally did. <laughs> so I don't think that Manfred is, 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 is really a, a, the best face of the game right now. But player-wise and excitement-wise, I mean, to me, that was one of the fun parts of the All-Star game for me was just how many, like, Vlad Guerrero Jr., that if you can't get excited about Vlad Guerrero Jr. or Shohei Otani or Fernando Tatis Jr., it's possible you just might not like baseball <laughs> at a certain level. And I think that I think people complain about baseball, and I think for a lot of good reasons. But I also think that, like, number, like, attendance are, are, is, is way up. Uh, is on a rate basis from years ago, especially considering the pandemic. To me, it's remarkable to me here in Atlanta. Like, Atlanta's not very good this year. It's been a frustrating season, and their games are packed. <laughs> they are packed. I think Georgia's a little bit more open than some other states, but uh, I think people are still going the game. I just think that baseball baseball has a messaging issue and a public relations issue, maybe more than it has a business problem issue but uh, uh certainly uh, there, there are people that disagree with that too how how are are the book sales going uh they're, they're yeah they're going well enough to, to, to let me do another one which is the best i can hope for how lucky has gone uh very very positively uh we are we are very excited that they've allowed me to uh i'm going to write two more they let me write two more of those books for harper collins so uh so if you haven't gotten how lucky yet definitely go buy it so that I, so they don't change their mind <laughs> that's the best way I, can, I can tell you on this but uh but yeah it's been, and thank you for asking it's, it's been a really pleasant experience the uh, uh the the nicest thing that the, probably the best thing that could have happened to it was as we mentioned i think last time i talked to you stephen king gave it this very very nice blurb i still have yet to meet stephen king <laughs> so i i did not call any favors on that one and it's possible he was confusing me with someone else but nevertheless uh, <laughs> it's been a very nice thing about the book that has uh, that has certainly boosted its uh, its prospects quite a bit Good stuff, Will. We always appreciate talking to you. Thanks for taking time again this week. Of course, please. My pleasure. Be safe, everyone. You bet. Will Leach with us. You can follow him at William Leach on Twitter, at William Leach. It is 1018. We'll take a time out and be back. We've got an open line until 1030. But if you want to jump back in, 217-356-9397. got some interesting texts on our Castle Heating and Cooling text line we'll talk about as well. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. The phone line open, 217-356-9397. With Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Let's go to the phones, and uh, calling from Charleston is Rick. Hey, Rick, what's going on? Good morning. Nice show, guys. Hey, I think we're in good shape, Illini Nation. 
look at the lineups we've talked about. We've got a eight-man rotation here of Williams, Frazier, Kofi, Corbello, Grandis, and Plummer. Six guys that have a lot of hours of playing time and all unproven. Then we have Hawkins and Hutchison and Payne that have got some age and some playing time in an eight-man. And that's not counting our three freshmen. We've got two kind of projects out there with Lee, which probably won't be ready until next year. And come April, they'll decide whether, you know, he's going to be able to play or not in terms of anything, just kind of a two-year project like Hamilton was. And then we got Benjamin Bossman Burdunk, and he'll have this year to kind of prove himself. So um, looks like we've got, you know, they keep talking about being old. Well, <laughs> we've got we've got six players that have lots of playing time and another three that have got some playing time. So uh, a couple of the other subjects I wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, on the transfer rule, it looks like, uh, am I correct, that we, we still have one open scholarship? Uh, I think, yes, we, you see, uh, Williams and Fraser don't count against the I understand, the yeah. So, so they were holding yeah, one for and Kofi, so, and then there's, there's still one more. The, he, yeah, well, yes. he's going to hold and, one for semester yeah. if he can. Yeah. Right. Because right. you and, don't know who's going to po- turn up. Right, and is it my understanding on the transfer rule that after the first semester this fall, let's say, say the middle of December, then players that aren't happy with the team they're on, if they haven't took advantage of the one-time transfer rule, can transfer between the fall semester and the spring semester. Is that correct, if they're in good standing in, in terms of their grades? I don't know if they could be eligible or not. I'm sorry. I, I just don't know that. Okay. We need to find that out. Steve, could you, be eligible? Could you play for one team in, in December and another team in February? I don't know the the definitive answer on that. We should know that, okay. and I don't know it. Well, I think that might be the reason a lot of schools are keep keeping one transfer sure. rule open. Is, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think you'll be able to play yeah. for one team, and okay, I don't think so. But I, I, I just don't know. I, I should, I should know that. I'll, 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 when I see Kent next week, I'll ask him, and that, that's okay. a really good question. But I, I don't know that the. I don't know if they would clarify. I I think there was a limit. I, there was a date, Steve, in in July here, where if you didn't transfer by that time, you couldn't be eligible. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. But that would That's be for correct, the that would be for the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah. But, but I don't think you could. Yeah. I don't think you'd be able to play for one play for Ohio State and in uh, December and then play for Illinois in January? Come on. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into that, but that's a good question, Rick. Okay, then on the NIL right quick. Uh, it looks like to me we need to start presidents. In other words, think of it this way. If you're a high school player and you knew this ball club in 21-22, that if that some boosters got together, put a – something together like Florida State where you had any player on scholarship has availability of $100,000 on this NIL. That way they know when they're in high school that if they if they get a scholarship at Illinois, they're at least going to make $100,000. Now it's up their choice. They don't have to, to take it, 
but if you had a that that amount to a one point three million dollar contract for thirteen players if they all wanted to sign on, and they would at least have that in name, image, and likeness, and know when they're in high school that if they sign because last year's team signed that, you see what I'm saying, and the year before, you know. In other words, they can look forward a year from now when we're talking recruiting uh, or even the kids coming in that's going to be in the 22 balls club. At least they know they've got that on the table to start with. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what the, the, the NCAA and the University of Illinois are trying to prevent is, a, is promises I, for in, during recruiting. Well, and I don't know how you're – look, you're not going to be able to yeah. avoid it. You're, you're right on. on it, yeah. they don't, they're not going to like that, but I don't know how they're going to stop it. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a promise. It's just that, hey, last year everybody received that. We can't guarantee you anything, but, you know, if it continues from year to year, you know they're going to assume that it's going to be there. Are you telling me that Florida State is, is going to do something like that? No. I'm t- well, I'm telling you the ball club, didn't you, you, you already talked about $500 a week, or excuse me, a, a month. month for the – for Miami, for the football players. Okay, yeah, so I'm saying on the basketball side, somebody's going to be duplicating that. Okay. As an incentive. Okay. To make sure that incoming freshmen know that they at least, because they can look back at the previous class. Okay. And say, hey, that's what it's been, and and there's from a legality standpoint, it looks like to me that you know there's no guarantee until they sign a contract and they enroll at Illinois. But once they enroll in Illinois, if they can look back and say, well, last year's class all got offered that. You, you make know, a really good point. I think, so, you, I think you can do that. I don't see, I don't yeah, see where so that would whether, be illegal. Whether you're, yeah, whether you're number 10 or number 13 on the rotation, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. You at least got that minimum amount of income. And then if you would make a few comments, I'll hang up now uh, on the new assistant coach, if you would, please. Okay. Appreciate that. Thanks, Rick, for the call. We'll do that. Uh, let's uh, move in uh, with Steve real quick. We'll get back to uh, talking about Tim Anderson in a moment. But go ahead, Steve, in Princeton. Yeah, I got a question uh, for Lauren, or you, Steve. But you take a player that Illinois, like Brad Underwood said, he's got a bunch of freshmen coming in. How's he going to find playing time for them and this and that? And I'm saying the only way you can get better, you can play hard, you can practice hard, but you need game action, like Kevin Hamlin. Did he improve any the two years he sat on the Illinois bench? If he'd have went to Eastern right out of high school, he'd be a better player today than he would have been sitting on the bench for Illinois for two years. And I just see a lot of these kids say, hey, you got to play. You better pick a smaller school, a lesser school, and get game action. Well, I I don't think there's any way that uh, (laughs) – I shouldn't say that. Uh, let's put it a different way. It's unlikely that the freshmen are going to be able to break through and play this year. You can't play 13 players. I mean, you can play them in a game where you're winning by 20, or I suppose, but I'm talking about when you get into – when you're playing Missouri or you're playing uh, the, the teams in the Big Ten, I mean, uh, the schedule they've got is going to be difficult, and you just can't play 13 players. I mean, they're going to have to decide in practice who the best players are and, and then – Play those. I, I once you get beyond eight players, to me that's a that's a real stretch. It is. It's tough, no doubt. And uh, good question though. And and you know we we talked to, to Brad about that, and he he wasn't going to 
get into the rotation at this point, but uh, it is going to be hard to crack that uh, top eight or nine guys. Yeah, and then next year, if they can, they'll 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 try to get a really good transfer from some place <laughs> that will come in and play. And you're going to have players coming, and you're going to have players going all the time. But I just think some of these high school kids think too highly of themselves, and they better think, hey, I need court action, and you pick a lesser school, less TV time, I can improve, and then maybe a junior year I can transfer. Good stuff, Steve. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 1030. Uh, Tim Anderson is the uh, will be the newest member of the uh, coaching staff. He's not uh, starting until July the 26th, but uh, Brad Underwood talked about him a little bit uh, earlier in the week and uh, what he brings to the table. He's got some Chicago connections. He's got, uh, he was an assistant at DePaul for a while. He uh, is heavily involved right now in the AAU games that are going on, EYBL games that are being played this summer. So, He'll be freed up from that, and we'll start his job on July 26th, and we're looking forward to the uh, first chance we have to talk to him. I've not met him. and uh, I haven't either, and I, I think that his involvement with AAU and his involvement in training players for the pros, uh, he could continue to, to do his work in behalf of Illinois once he knew he was coming to Illinois. Right. So it doesn't matter, you know, what, is it the 26th that he actually becomes an official member? Mm-hmm. But he's been an official member for a long time already. Yep. 10.30, we'll take a break. We'll talk some more basketball, mainly focused on former Illini guys with Michael Tulip coming up. We're back after this. Ten thirty-three. This is Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11. We've been uh, talking it over since 9 o'clock this morning. Glad you're with us. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Happy to welcome to the program Mike LaTulip, former Illini guard, now coach of the House of Pain in the upcoming basketball tournament, uh, of which uh, some of the early games will be played in Peoria. Mike, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I appreciate you guys having me on this morning. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, the team you're putting together and uh, the games get underway uh, not too long from now, about a week from now, actually, July 24th through the 28th. Um, Brandon Paul, Dimitri McKamey, Ravante Rice are some of the names on there. Tell us more about the roster. Yeah, I mean, it's you know it's, it's a lot of months of preparation that, that culminates into one single elimination tournament, so it's when it comes to the roster, I always I always say the roster is never finalized until you take the court. But we really really like the the core group of guys that we have, and uh, there's there's obviously an Illini flavor to it um, with Dimitri, with with Brandon, with Ravante, uh, Andres, Kipper, Nana. Um, you know we have plenty of of Illini that are representing. Uh, we also have a few others as well, um, and that that's kind of been the the thing with this tournament is can you put together a team that's that's extremely competitive and um, you know, and you, you roll the ball out there, but, but you have structure, right? I mean, we, we hop on Zoom calls. We, um, you know, we're going to have three days of training camp in Peoria. So uh, everything's kicked into hyperdrive, and, and you just try to piece it all together and find pieces that make sense and mesh so that once you do get to Columbus, it's not, uh, you know, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. A lot of these guys have rapport with each other, whether they were teammates or have followed each, other, uh, each other's careers over the years. So, you know, that's been the idea of putting together this team. Uh, we, we have some really, really talented pieces, but we have some really smart pieces, and, and all of that's important when you try to put it all together. 
uh, in a short period of time and, and, you know, implementing plays and making sure that, you know, guys can pick up on those things and, and be able to, to, to think on their feet as well. So really, really encouraged by, by the team that we have and, and just from the Zoom calls we've been getting on, these guys are extremely excited to not only just, you know, lace them up and play with each other, but, but play in front of some Illini fans as well. One of the key guys you had last year was Andres Feliz, who just uh, earlier this week signed a two-year contract to play in Spain. I know that uh, you're hoping to get him on the roster. What's the latest on that? Yeah, I mean it's been a it's been an arduous process over the last you know month and a half, two months, working on getting him in the country. Quite frankly, uh, it's there's a lot of paperwork. Uh, you know, the application process. It's, it's a 40-page application that you got to fill out and. Um, you know, obviously anything that's visa and application uh, related tends to be, you know, take a little bit long to get approved. But, you know, there's there's certain ways to expedite that. So we've been exploring those options. But, you know, the hope is for us to have them there uh, in some capacity, whether that's for game one, that'd be amazing. But but even deeper into the tournament, we're just we're working through that as we speak. So uh, but the hope is to have them there. Uh, well, this is Lauren, Mike. Uh, how many practices will you actually get? I mean, how uh, before you play? Uh, you play on the twenty fourth, is that right? Correct, correct. So we will uh, we will have three practices, three three solid practices, twenty first, twenty second, and twenty third. We get down to Peoria on Wednesday, the twenty first. We'll practice twenty first, twenty second, and twenty third. Um, and, and that's why you know, as I mentioned, it's so important to put together a a cohesive roster on the front end and, and hop on these zoom calls. Cause it's quite frankly, not a lot of time to, to get there and, and implement some things and, and have these guys mesh. So the more, the more work you can do on the front end, putting all that together and, and having guys that, you know, like I said, know each other and, and are familiar with each other. It, it goes a long way when you, when you talk about preparation and, and getting everybody up to speed and, 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 you know, rolling the ball out there for game one. You had a good team last year. How do you see this team being uh, different from last year? I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head right there. It is different. Uh, last year we were, we were a very young team, um, you know, with not a ton of experience, so to speak. And this year it's almost, you know, it's almost the opposite. We have a lot of experienced guys that have played, you know, eight to 10 years in Europe. I mean, you talk about Demetri McCamey, you talk about Brandon Paul. I mean, Juice Thompson is another guy that we added, uh, you know, that, that is, you know, just about, I think he just played his 10th year overseas in some of the top leagues in Europe. And, you know, Nana's also making his way up there where he's playing in his sixth and seventh, you know, pro year. And, and even some of these other guys, Ravante's going into his sixth year. And, and um, you know, all of that makes a big difference when you talk about bringing on guys who are used to being in different environments, having to be unconditional and adjust on the fly. Uh, that's really what this, this overseas lifestyle teaches you. So, being able to bring that into this, uh, you know, into this uh, setting for the TBT is is huge. But I like our pieces. You know, we have a lot of se- we have a lot of, I almost said senior leadership, uh, as if it's Trent and Demonte. But but it really is like that. I mean, you have guys like Dimitri and Brandon who are really really gonna help this team from a leadership standpoint. And uh, and guys are looking to to follow those guys, especially especially Brandon. A lot of guys on this team look up to him, um, have really followed his career. And Brandon is, you know, is ready to, to take on that leadership role. So uh, we're excited to have the pieces that we have. Obviously, Mike Dom's another guy that's returning that is a non-Illini, but was but was a huge piece for us last year. Um, so all these guys are excited to get together, and, and I do love the blend that we have of youth as well as, you know, experience. 
What's the TV situation? Will fans here be able to watch games? Yeah, absolutely. So we will be playing uh, on the ESPN family of networks. Um, so you can tune in to our first game uh, on ESPN, uh, game one uh, against the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs. If we are fortunate enough to advance, we will continue to play on those ESPN family, uh, I guess, ne- you know, networks as well. So uh, you can also tune in, obviously, on the radio, WDWS, uh, or you can see us in person uh, at the Peoria Civic Center. You can hop online uh, we, from our Twitter account, Line ITBT. We've been able to, to put out that link to, to go grab tickets. You know, they're extremely affordable, and we really, really want to make this you know, somewhat of a home court atmosphere and a home court advantage as we continue to, to advance through the tournament. I hadn't paid much attention to this tournament until last year when the House of Pain had an entry in there. One of the, and one of the things I was intrigued about was the way the games ended with the Elam ending. Talk a little bit about that, how it works, and uh, do you like that? I love it. You know, I, I think it brings a unique element to the game. Uh, when you look at how typical games end nowadays, it's you know, it's a lot of fouling at the end. You know, when you have a team up six, seven, eight, uh, you know, there's teams fouling. It kind of bogs down the game. And what the Elam ending allows teams to do is, you know, you, you, know, you, can, you can get back into the game by simply getting stops, um, you know, by simply taking good shots. And, and then on the flip side, when you are the team that's leading going into the Elam ending, uh, if you want to reach that target score, you've got to get quality shots. You've got to buckle down on defense. And you can't let that pressure of hitting that game-winning shot uh, get to you. I mean, I think that's, that was the thing last year. This is this type of ending is something that you have to rep in practice because uh, there is a strategy to it. Um, you know, and, and those are all things that we do in training camp. And luckily, we have guys in the tournament who have played in it before that understand that Elam ending. And uh, I think it's a really, really unique experience. And, and even just the fan experience, it's, it's something that you don't see very often. And I know the NBA All Star Game is implemented it, and TBT has been doing it for for seven years now. So um, really unique, but also something that, that really tests your ability as a coach and as a team to, to really buckle down in those, you know, in, in crunch time and get quality shots and get stops and, you know, run things that, that puts the defense at a disadvantage. So, um, you know, we go into it with a plan, uh, with a game plan, with a strategy, and, uh, you know, and we do our best to implement that. And I thought we, we did a good job of that last year. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to continue that trend this year. Well, explain that for our fans, uh, Mike. You're, you're ahead 80, 80 to 75, and uh, yep. and how much time is left, and, and how do you play it? Yeah, Lauren, so, you know, for example, uh, 80 to 75, House of Pain is leading um, at the under four timeout. So mm-hmm. any stoppage of play under four, there's a target score that is set. So different from, you know, the typical game where the four minutes just kind of runs out mm-hmm. um, and you're playing the clock, you play a target score so that the, the clock is stopped um, and they add eight points uh, to whoever is leading. You don't literally get those points, but they set a target score. So if it's 80 to 75, the target score goes to 88, mm-hmm. and you simply play to 88. First um, one to 88 wins, right? First one to 88 wins. So it's it's really unique. I thought last year you know, we were able to knock off Carmen's crew, the number one seed in that second game. Uh, but in that third game, we were down going into the Elam ending pretty big, actually. I think we were down 14 points going into the Elam ending. We were able to cut it to three because we weren't playing against the clock. It was simply if we could get stops and get good shots, we could crawl our way back into the game. And that's what we were able to do. And it's it's it works both sides, right? You know, if you're winning, 
you know, you're right there to score eight more points and, and you win the game. But if you're losing, you're, you're really not out of the game. So if you are the team that's winning, you can't just hold the ball and move it around. You have to go get quality looks. So, uh, you know, that's the strategy. And, and there's, there's certainly certain plays and, and actions we want to run to put guys in good positions to, to take quality shots and, you know, in that EOM ending. It's called the TBT, the basketball tournament. It begins July 24th for the House of Pain in the Peoria at the Peoria Civic Center. That's their coach, Mike Latulip. But we'll be watching and listening right here on uh, News Talk 1400 DWS. Appreciate your time this morning, Mike. No, thanks so much, guys. You bet. Mike Latulip has been with us. It's 1044. We'll take a break and be back with more on IPella Saturday Sports Talk coming up after this. Stay with us. It is 1046, and this is Alonai Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Glad you're with us. We're chugging along towards 11 o'clock. We've talked a lot of basketball, some football as well this morning on the show. I'd like to tell you uh, for a few minutes here about uh, some junior golf that is in the area and will be in uh, the area next week at the Urbana Country Club. It's the AJGA, the American Junior Golf Association All-Star Tourney at Urbana Country Club, July 19th through the 22nd, 54 holes, 78-player field. And uh, with the AJGA is Adam Young, and he's on the telephone with us. He's over in Urbana getting set for this event. Uh, good morning, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Tell us more about this, uh, where the players will be coming from, and uh, and uh, just a little more. I know it's the second time you've had an event at Urbana Country Club, correct? Yes, this is going to be our second year at Urbana. We're really excited to be back. Uh, we're really excited for this year's event. Our field is spectacular. We're going to have players from all over the United States, from Washington down to Florida to Texas to California to Massachusetts, and then even from outside uh, the United States, we're going to have players from Russia, Thailand, Canada, Japan, really the best in the world, the best junior golfers in the world are going to be coming to Urbana this week, and we're really excited um, for this week's event. What is the age range of these players? Yeah, so this week uh, the players are going to be uh, between the ages of 12 and 15. Um, so as you said, um, our, our event is a junior all-star event. Um, so this is typically um, juniors' first AJGA tournament. Um, these junior all-stars, we have about maybe 20 of them uh, a year. Um, they're exclusively for those younger players. Um, we also have open events uh, all over the United States, and those typically are 12 to 19-year-olds. This week, as I said, it'll just be 12 to 15-year-olds. So it's going to be a great opportunity to get uh, a look at the true future of golf uh, here at Urbana. Is that boys and girls? Correct. It'll be boys and girls. And our girls' field is is very, very strong this year. We're going to have um, some of the, the top-ranked players in the nation out here um, including Olivia Dwan um, from California. Um, so really, really excited to see how uh, that field goes down. And um, we'll also have defending champion Alyssa Abdullah in the field as well. She won um, the first AJGA Junior All-Star at Urbana last year, um, beating the field uh, by a couple of strokes. What about, uh, this is Lauren, what about local players? Are there players from the state of Illinois? We have a number of players from the state of Illinois, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, I think about a third of our field is made up of players from the state of Illinois. Um, we're really excited to see what they can do. And, um, you know, the Illinois Junior Golf Association is one of the best 
um, best junior golf associations in the U.S., and they've, they've done a great job. They've got a great organization over there. Um, they've really churned out some phenomenal juniors over the years, um, and we're, we're excited to see what um, you know these Illinois kids can do this week at Urbana. How many total players do you have, boys and girls, yeah. each? Sure. So we have uh, a total field of 78 juniors this week. Um, that's total boys and girls. Um, the breakdown, it, it, we're going to have about uh, 51 boys this week and 27 girls. And is there anybody from Champaign-Urbana or, or around the um, I not, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not super familiar with the surrounding area. I just got on site a few days ago. I'm still learning my way around. Um, so uh, if you'd like to find out, if anyone's listening would like to find out, I encourage you to go to AJGA.org. Um, pull up our tournament, uh, the AJGA Junior All-Star at Urbana. You can pull up the field right there, um, scroll through, and see uh, what locals are playing, uh, what internationals are playing, um, and who the top players in the field are this week. Will be will people be allowed to come out and watch? So, unfortunately, per, due to some COVID lingering COVID restrictions, we can't open it up to the public. Um, it'll be exclusively college coaches and immediate family members this year, but we're really looking forward to next year's event, opening things up to the public. Uh, Urbana has been so welcoming and so receptive, and this Champaign County has been a phenomenal sponsor and a phenomenal partner for our event. Um, they've done a, a great job, and we're super grateful for them, and the community has really rallied behind this event, even though we can't uh, open things up to the public this year. So we know that next year, um, when things are hopefully completely back to normal, we'll be able to have some galleries out here following and supporting these juniors. And folks uh, who have an interest in that and can follow it, uh, you'll have scoreboards, leaderboards, and such on your website, I would guess, right? Correct. We will have a live leaderboard on our website. Again, it's at AJGA.org. Um, you can go into our tournament schedule, pull up our event. Um, we'll have a live leaderboard there. Um, we'll also be posting articles periodically as well as um, a few posts on, on our social medias uh, at AJGA. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, if anyone's into that. Um, we'll, be, we'll be sharing uh, more information uh, on what's happening here at the event and some fun stuff that our juniors are up to throughout the week. Good stuff, Adam. Appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for telling us more about that, and we'll see you out there next week. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. You bet. That's Adam Young. He's with the American Junior Golf Association, which is based in uh, Georgia. And uh, he's in town now to, to run this tournament at the Urbana Country Club. They have a practice round on Monday, kind of a uh, a pro-am, so to speak. <laughs> Not a pro-am. Are you going to be in that? I am, actually. I'm going to play in that and uh, on Monday. And then uh, the 54-hole competition for the juniors begins on Tuesday and goes through Thursday. So some local... Uh, Golf there in uh, the neighborhood. 10:51, kind of coming down the home stretch. Uh, get to some of these texts that we've been uh, getting along the way. Um, early on, we had a text that uh, said uh, Coach Underwood deserves a huge round of applause on how he overcame multiple obstacles this off season. I don't think we'll find anybody to really disagree with that. And uh, another texter said, "Why the manufactured manufactured drama?" on the Kofi situation, if they knew a week or so or more ago that Kofi was coming back, why all the tweets with Florida State and Kentucky logos? Well, I think that if, if you're trying to promote yourself and make more money, you just make yourself more hard to get. 
That was yeah, that's what yep, I do. I, I, I mean, I, you know, why do you just want to, you know, commit right away when this is about money, folks? <laughs> Are we kidding ourselves? And the fact that it is about money, another texter said, I bet the IRS is real interested in every transaction the athletes are about to make. Yep, you bet. They'll be paying taxes. The question now becomes, and I, I know that this is probably ridiculous, but once you start taking money, then do they decide maybe that scholarship is worth something or maybe the money that they're receiving uh, from the university with, as part of that scholarship, should that be taxed because they're not paying taxes on their scholarship? And Bill in San Jose, California, has a text for you, Lauren. All right. How can you even suggest that Io? is the greatest player in Illinois history when he did not show up in the NCAA tournament. He should not even be in the, the discussion. But he sure didn't show up in that in that Loyola game. He had a really rough game. Well, he did. And, that, and, and I think up to that game. I think you got to give credit to Loyola in that as well. I do. I, I don't mean to take anything away from but I will also tell you that Io, once he was injured and wearing the mask, there were times when he wasn't quite the same player that he had been before, Steve. Now, is that a fair statement? I or think not? that's fair. Yeah. And uh, but I don't I think, think that, that five six game stretch detours from his legacy. Well, I don't. Every game affects the legacy. I mean, every single game affects the legacy. But uh, all I'm all I'm I'll, the only thing I will tell the the, the uh, not the caller but the, the Dexter the Dexter is that up to that point, that's what we were talking about. I don't know if we ever came to the conclusion, but we did talk about him being, and nobody ever won more games in the last moments Correct. in the history of Illinois basketball than he did. Yep. Now, you can say those games didn't matter. They weren't in the NCAA tournament. I, I understand that. But look, the guy, I, how many times are we going to be in games this year coming down the wire and we're going to be looking around like, Who's gonna Who's gonna Who's gonna carry us now? Who's gonna make that clutch basket? I mean, he did it time after time. Nobody ever did it as many times. Yeah, especially with everybody in the gym and everybody watching on TV knew who was gonna do it. Yeah, it was it was amazing what he did. Yep. And not we're just not talking about one year. Right. We're talking about at least the last two years, definitely. 10:55. Need to take one final break. We'll do that now, and be back with some final words. Stay with us. A couple of minutes before 11 o'clock here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Haven't even talked golf. The British Open is ongoing, and Louis Oosthausen has uh, the lead as they're early in the third well, he's round. He's a steady player in all these big tournaments, isn't he? He is, but he needs to close one out. He's, won, know, he's won a major. He's won the British Open. I understand that. I mean, I know he needs to close it out, but, you know, you can't control everything. It's just that he's in there all the time. He's in there. Colin uh, Morikawa is two shots back. Oosthausen is 11 under par, beginning the day. Jordan Spieth playing well again. And yep. Putting like he used to, yep. he is minus eight, and Dustin Johnson in a group at minus seven as play gets underway over there. Been going on f- since the middle of the night, but the leaders are early in their round. Closer to home, four former Illini guys are in the Corn Ferry Tour stop over at Panther Creek in Springfield. Nick Hardy begins the day at minus eight, tied for 32nd. Minus 15 is the lead. The cut was minus five, and four other former or three other former Illini did not make the cut. Scott Langley was three under. 
Lou Guthrie was seven over, and Brian Campbell was four under. They missed the cut. Boy, the scoring must be red hot over there. Fifteen under is the lead. Fifteen under. At uh, after two rounds of that particular event over in Springfield at Panther Creek, so. A lot going on. We covered a lot of ground this morning. Talked to a lot of basketball. Thanks to all the folks that called and texted. Thanks to Brad Underwood, Jeremy Werner, Mike Bellamy, Will Leach, Michael Tulip, Adam Young from the uh, American Junior Golf Association. Mr. Tate, what are you doing the rest of the day? You playing golf? You're going to watch golf? Well, no, I'm going to watch a little golf, and I don't uh, don't have much going on really. It's going to be lazy today. Nothing wrong with a lazy get my column day. out though. Yeah. We'll read that tomorrow, right? I hope so. Might be about Kofi, wouldn't you think? Might be about Kofi. All right. Thanks to uh, Dave Leak, our producer on the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Steve Kelly for everybody mentioned there on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana. Have a good rest of the weekend. We'll talk to you next week.